This is one of them high power jobs, isn't it? Oh. Got some bad news for you, John. What the fuck? You mind your language in front of the boy. Jesus Christ! That includes blasphemy as well. Now tell me, John, how can you be concentrating on improving this lovely tan? And it is a lovely tan, by the way, when you've got more pressing priorities at hand. Tell Harry. I mean, Mr. Harry, I've been busy. I'm nearly there. Check his locker, son. I don't suppose there's any chance of you lifting this sunbed up, Chris, is there? John, you always walk around with that in your pocket. Oi! You use language like that again, son. You wish you hadn't. Sorry, Dad. Right, we'll put the rest of the stuff in there. You can go home in a plastic bag tonight, John. You owe what you owe. And by the time this tan's faded, you want to have paid. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess fucking what? I back it up! I back it up! That means it's time to roll, baby. You've got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just gonna sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy is such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight, and that fucking guy comes up to you. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wokecast, episode 166. Broadcasting to you from the epicenter of the coronavirus, allegedly, in the UK, and uh, also uh, at the epicenter, we're joined by my sister from another mister. It's G from Woe TV. What up, my. Damn right, the epicenter, well, right? We representing. Tell me about it. If you're going to do something, <laughs> do it properly. Right. But it's a little bit of a worry because we've just literally just um, been told by the Prime Minister we're recording now um, on Monday evening. Just been told we are effectively on three week lockdown. I don't want to obviously start off as we normally do to go into the ins and outs and whys and wherefores of the coronavirus, as this isn't mixed martial arts podcast, but this is pretty serious for us. I mean, essentially, what we're doing is we're adopting a, an Italian style lockdown where shopping for necessities and going out as infrequently as possible is going to be the norm here. We're allowed one form of exercise per day, such as running or cycling alone um, or with household members. We can only go out for food and for medical care needs and travelling to and from work is no longer required unless you can't actually work from home. Basically, you're being banned, or we are actually being banned, um, to meet friends or to shop for anything beyond essentials or gathering in crowds. Anything um, larger than three people, um, they will be enforcing fines in this country. To be honest with you, not before time. We've seen over the weekend that, essentially, people, as my mum would say, are too hard ears. They're not actually listening. They're essentially going on as though... Nothing is essentially different. Now, to be honest with you, I can understand why these measures have come in. I just only wish that they'd come in a lot earlier. But we are where we are. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm, we're under something similar um, to a shelter in place. Our governor doesn't want to call it that, but that's exactly what it is. And basically, New York City is on pause for the moment. You can only really mm. leave your home for 
you know, essential items. So that's why things like the bank, the pharmacy, and the grocery stores right now in New York remain open, but everything has been shut down. They've asked um, the workforce not to send people to work unless they are essential. And we all know essential mm-hmm. is, you know, medical professionals, police officers, and whatnot. So, um, our governor has rightfully so shut down New York because it's spreading quite rapidly, and I wish this would have been done sooner. And quite frankly, I think this should be done across the states just to try to contain this as best that we can. I mean, even with states that have very low confirmed numbers, yeah. why not shut them down as well to keep those numbers low? And we, we're seeing other countries do that. Like Africa doesn't have that many cases being reported, but they have all types of travel bans in place to keep people from coming yeah. in. So I wish mm. our, our governments had done this sooner, but hopefully this does save lives and keeps people from getting sick so rapidly, too. You know, better, well, better than nothing, again, I, I guess, you know. Exactly. And I, I don't want to point the finger as I do week in, week out, but it's hard not to look at our leaders and say, why haven't you acted earlier? Because I noticed with Trump, he seems to be of the mind that, um, well, we're going to get through this and uh, it's going to be a beautiful finish. And um, essentially, <laughs> tremendous, uh, tremendous. everything's going to be OK. It's going to be tremendous. Yeah. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm thinking to myself, what planet are you on? Where's your sense of realism? There's a... Um, there's, there's, a, there's a real correlation between what President Trump is actually saying and what Boris Johnson is saying. And I'm not sure whether it's we don't want to panic people or they genuinely believe optimistically that everything will come out in the wash. And it will be weeks um, until we're back on our feet and not months, even years. I'm noticing the same type of rhetoric coming from him. Tremendous, beautiful, wow. and all these... Um wonderful things and I do think that he's just trying to keep us from not panicking because he's also telling us to self-quarantine and to stay off the streets but as of recently he's changed his tone he's alluding to people going back to work because our economy is plummeting and that's what scares me the most is that um, what if our president is telling us to do something that could harm us which I think it is going to be quite harmful I think more people are going to get it and more people could die and I just don't think it's the best idea right now to say, oh, if you've already caught the virus, put on a mask and go back to work because you simply want to jumpstart the economy. Mm. You know, I'm just my trepidations are that like um, that he has so much control in this matter. Like, I'm not sure if the right person is our president for something this huge. You know, I don't really have a lot of faith in him, Mike, and he's making me nervous. (laughs) Like, I'm worried. It's funny. It's funny you should say that because what I'd say about our prime minister, you know, seems to be the case with your president. They are both out of their depth, very inept. Yeah, I just... Exceptionally so. I just don't understand, like, um, why would voting somebody that has no experience doing this would be beneficial to us? Like, Trump has never governed. He's just a businessman, and a lot of his businesses have failed. And I'm not really trying to point the finger or be a jerk. I'm literally stating facts here. So I don't understand why someone that would need experience budgeting and, and, you know, a wartime president and all the things we need for a president to to do, Trump has never done in his background Mm. with business. Mm. So why would you put him in office? Like, we kind of need someone that knows what they're doing right now. And it just sounds like he's rolling the dice. So I don't think he was the best choice <laughs> for for a pandemic. And people didn't really consider that when they were voting 
for him and it's sad and I'm very worried and I have no confidence in this administration. (laughs) You know what? We could chat about this all day. I mean, speaking of rolling, we have a bit of MMA to actually roll on with, Um, quite a lot of MMA to roll on with because even though we are in meager times, um, basically pointing to the fact that there are no shows happening, uh, no shows of note with quality um, fights going on. What I would say is there are lots of issues to discuss, though, because <laughs> we are still dealing with the fallout from UFC London, where these artists, these mixed martial artists, need paying. And from all the digging I've been doing and from all the conversations I've been having, they have yet to be paid. And coincidentally, on this episode... Not only um, are we going to keep the ball rolling in terms of the mixed martial arts discussion, we're not stopping. Every single week we will be here talking about mixed martial arts. We've been a bit creative, I would say, in our content. And um, we're going to be interacting more with listeners. Um, Again, this is something which you brought to the table, you brought to the party, which you're doing really, really well, um, getting people to actually interact with us and sending in questions. So those are going to continue and be scaled up. But also, um, we're going to have as many guests as we're able to lay our hands on. This week, we're joined by Lerone the Miracle Murphy. But as well as that, it's the inaugural episode, the inaugural um, launch, I would say, of our game show, which is called FFSY, though. Basically, um, it launches today. And um, we're hoping to have a bit of a, well, a bit of a joke or two, a few laughs, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all seriousness on the WoCast. And um, basically, as usual, we are joined by Chisanga Malata and Kairos. I mean, speaking of keeping things light and, you know, having an air of fun and having uh, less of a serious tone, I think it's time we heard from Kairos' corner. And I'm doing very well. I hope you guys are also doing great. Hope you're spending time with your family, spending time with your friends, being safe, staying in small groups, making sure to decontaminate whatever you touch or are going to touch. You guys, I have no complaints. Therefore, I want to do something nice today. Everyone always talks about how much I'm a hater of John Jones, Habib Nurmagomedov, and other fighters. So here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell you some positive things about them, tell you just how great these people are, and prove to you guys once and for all that I'm not a hater. I'm actually a fan of these two guys. Let's start with John Jones, because y'all swear I hate that man. Y'all swear because I make videos talking about him not being able to dunk a basketball, talking about him hiding underneath the cage, all this other stupid stuff. But here's some also other facts. John Jones, for what he has accomplished and the age that he has done it and for the length of time that he has done it, he is the greatest. He is the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. You look at his resume from top to bottom. He has defeated double-digit Hall of Famers. Sometimes he's beat them twice. Any person who can beat Daniel Cormier 
is head and shoulders above a lot of everybody else. And he did it twice. Regardless of how you feel about the PEDs, regardless about anything, he is the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. As far as God-given ability and athleticism in the sport of mixed martial arts is concerned too, for a very long time, he was the greatest at that. The absolute greatest from his size, with his height and his reach, to his creativity, to his strike selection, to the way that he can defeat people at their own games. He is a phenomenal fighter. No one can and will ever take that away from him. If he were to lose his next 50 straight fights, you can't look back at those first 20-something and tell me that they were flukes or tell me that he isn't the greatest of all time. You simply cannot. And if he hadn't had the title taken away from him, not because someone defeated him, because of outside of the Octagon instances, he would have the longest reigning title defense streak ever past Anderson, past GSP. This man is a phenomenal fighter he is the greatest fighter he actually was one of the earlier fighters that i ever started watching that got me into combat sports in mma it was uriah Faber, dominic cruz john jones and the other one who was the other one um i cannot think of the other one i apologize who was it oh man i'm having a tough time thinking of it doesn't matter though oh anderson silva doesn't matter though those guys got me in the sport and I would watch John Jones highlight reels every single day. My favorite John Jones highlight reel is The Lion. If you haven't checked it out, go on YouTube and type in John Jones The Lion. It's phenomenal because he is a phenomenal athlete. You guys think I hate him so much? I don't. I look up to him, but I simply call out stuff the way it is. I'm not willing to hide behind my bias, unlike some people we know. Let's do, let's go with Khabib Nurmagomedov next though. Habib is the last of a dying breed of specialists. There are so many fighters. There are so many people who believe that if you can only do one thing very well, you aren't going to fare well in mixed martial arts. That's a lie. Habib Nurmagomedov is out here changing tradition, changing perception, and changing religion. This guy, not changing religion in the sense of him changing his religion. I mean, changing people's creed. You guys get it. You guys get it. Anyway. This guy is so phenomenal that he's about to reach 30 straight professional fights without losing. The guy's lost, what, one or two rounds in his entire career? I don't care who you face. I don't care if you want to say that he fought 15 straight fighters in his first 15 that don't even have Wikipedia pages. He still won those fights, and he did not lose a round. You could say he lost to Gleason T-Bow. Guess what? His hand got raised in the end. You could say that he lost a round to Conor McGregor. Guess what? How did that fight end? This guy is a straight destroyer. It doesn't. He's a surgical precision. He's a surgeon on the ground. No one can take that away from him. No one can take away his dominance. No one can take away how great... How, how, have we ever seen a grappler as great as Habib Nurmagomedov is? From, from his control, from his strength, from his tenacity. And you can say, oh, he gets tired in the third or fourth round. Well, guess what, though? If he gets tired in the third or fourth round, why hasn't he lost a fight? Why isn't he losing rounds? This guy, he's a special person. Regardless of how his fight goes against Tony Ferguson, he's probably the greatest lightweight of all time. There's a few on the list. You got some people think BJ because he won two belts. Some people think Benson Henderson because he defended the belt about three times. Some people think that it's, um, yeah, some people think it's Connor. I do not agree with that whatsoever. But regardless of who you think, Habib is on that Mount Rushmore. If he's not number one, he's definitely number two for the greatest lightweights in UFC history. I can't take that away from him. You can't take that away from him. Nobody can unless they beat him and go on a tear, which I don't see happening. Habib is a special guy. And... I would say he's a once-in-a-lifetime type of fighter. There you have it. I can say nice and great things about these fighters that I look up to. I'll be real, though, with you. 
I wasn't the biggest fan of Habib when he started coming up because of the his ability. He just would pull out of a lot of fights. So I just thought, okay, we don't see him getting tested. We don't see him facing a lot of top tier guys. So I would critique that. But I cannot critique his ability inside the cage. He's a phenomenal fighter. I can't take that away from him. He's a great person too. Some of his ideologies I don't agree with. That doesn't matter though. I can't. I don't allow that to cloud the fact that he's a great fighter. I just won't ignore those things either. Thank you all so much. Have a great holiday. Hopefully we get these fights back in, I don't know, two, three months, maybe two, three weeks, whatever it is. Hopefully. I hear China's coming up with a vaccine. It's in clinical trials right now. And that's probably going to take us 80 years to get it approved in the United States of America. But it doesn't matter. Everybody's making moves. Keep staying safe. Keep being true to yourself. Have a great week. You know, largely I agree with Kairos. Um, he picked out some phenomenal athletes in Khabib Nurmagomedov and John Jones. I, I think, I swear there were some shots at me in, in there, uh, hiding behind um, biases <laughs> and uh, people who feel that Conor McGregor is the greatest of all, greatest uh-huh. of all time. But, you know, I'll let that slide. I'll let those two <laughs> slide. I mean, uh, I'm not going to, you know, start some Biggie and Tupac shit over this. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I swear there's some shots. But anyway, um, I, I totally agree with him. He, he's absolutely right. Oh, yeah, he nailed it um, this time. And I totally can understand where he's coming from as well. There are some fighters that I just don't like. But I think they're excellent fighters. But a lot of times on MMA Twitter and online, people don't understand that you can, you know, you can differentiate from the two and you can like notice that somebody's a really good fighter, but also be like, Hey, this person is a jerk and I don't like them, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So it doesn't mean that you're biased. It means you just, you know, you're, um, what's that word that I can never pronounce my, um, compartmentalize, you know, you, we can put them in different boxes and and appreciate them for what they are. But I do understand mm. him because it's annoying that one day you want to take a shit on a fighter because he did something stupid. And then the next day when you want to be like, <laughs> "Ooh, what a knockout. You got people in your mentions like, oh, oh, now he's great G. No, I always thought he was great. I think yeah. he's a dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I, I feel Kairos on that. And I think you didn't really have to tell us, you know, all these nice things about them, Kairos. I feel you. You don't have to be nice if you don't want to, Kairos. You just keep doing you. But I do agree with him. I think Khabib and John Jones are special. What you think, Mike? <laughs> yeah, well, like I say, I, I totally agree with, with, with the choices he'd made. It's hard to um, disagree, it's especially, you know, you're looking at two men who basically strike fear in their opponents you're looking at john jones with the tool the armory that he's got the tool set that he uses when he steps in the octagon you're looking at someone in khabib namagamadov who you know again stifles terrifies chokes out and basically just like an anaconda um wraps up his opponent i mean two truly terrifying human beings and um it's hard to disagree with what kairos has said yeah i i uh, think that khabib is a special one i do think that gsp is up there as well you know when kairos was saying Mm. who else have we seen control and dominate you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, GSP. But anyway, um, mm, yeah. Khabib, though, is on that level. And I do think he's special. I mean, the way in which he, it's not just how he controls his opponent. It's just that he thinks ahead of his opponents. He's always in the right place. He's always got that choke yeah. ready for you if you turn this way. He's always in the more dominant positions. He knows how to utilize the cage for his benefit. Mm-hmm. And then his striking yep. is improving. And then the ground and pound has just always been devastating. 
you know, and I like that Khabib is not boring. I don't understand, mm. you know, listeners or people online that are like, oh, he's one dimensional. I don't like the way that he fights. He's not you smothering people. He's beating them up with his fists while they're on their back. And it's pretty scary. So how are you not entertained by that? But anyway, don't let me <laughs> run off on a tangent on him. I think he's great. I also think but John whilst- Jones is great. But Mike, let me ask you yeah. a question from Jamaican unit because mm. this rolls right into John Jones. He said, yeah. should a disqualification always be on the table when a fighter has clearly tested positive for PEDS? I'd say 100% no. DQs are supposedly describing the action in, in, in play. And that is outside of the action in play. Whilst it has enhanced the action, I wouldn't uh, attribute that um, under the banner of DQ. Let's be clear as to what a DQ is. We all know. So let's keep it in its lane. So no is the question or is the answer. And do you think that John Jones testing for PEDS and also like his previous bad boy behavior, do you think that affects like his legacy? Because you hear how Kairos went on and on also too about John Jones and you can't take it away from him that he is one of the best mixed martial artists or one of the best fighters, period. You yeah. can't take that away from him. But does his... You know, the Peds and his bad boy legacy, does that follow him too? Does that harm him? For me, it taints it, yes. It's hard to um, get away from the fact that there has been drug use. There has been um, Peds flagged and, you know, smashing into pregnant ladies whilst um, supposedly under the influence. Then going back to save the weed um, and not the lady, but yeah. Yeah, that that doesn't actually... um, um, well, it doesn't ingratiate him, himself to those people, just like Kairos, who, who rate him. But still, it's hard to deny what he has done in the cage. So whilst um, it doesn't wipe out his achievement, um, it, it definitely does, you know, taint it. Yeah. Mm, good question. And uh, thank you, uh, Devante, that trip six. Mm. You know, just just whilst we're on um, UFC, I think it's about time we brought in this week's guest, UFC's finest, Lerone the Miracle Murphy. So we're several days removed now from what was supposed to be UFC London. It's a pleasure to be joined by... One of the uh, prelim fighters I was quite looking forward to seeing, and that's Lerone the Miracle Murphy. Yeah, what's happening, bro? Well, I was about to ask you the same thing. Is everything okay with you? I mean, obviously, we're now in the grips of a global pandemic. Have you got your uh, your stash of toilet paper and uh, your, your bottled water? <laughs> no toilet paper, but we've got a lot of food. I've got a lot of food in my bedroom. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You know what? I, I threw that out there as a joke because really and truly, you and I have seen and witnessed the scenes um, being played across the, U, um, the UK. And that is, you know, people are getting quite militant about um, commandeering toilet paper. Well, you know something, bro? What I said to Mark Diacasey the last time um, we were on the line together if you're struggling with uh, toilet paper, I've got loads and I, I, I'll quite happily give that as a prize if you're willing to spar with me. <laughs> spar with the toilet paper, yeah? <laughs> What's the world coming to, man? Wow, wow. But all jokes aside, look, we are yeah. several days removed from 
the 21st of March. Now, yeah. obviously, the burning question um, that a lot of people are waiting to hear, have you guys been paid as yet? We've not, no. Now, we've, not been, we've not even heard anything about any, um, any sort of payment as of yet. Now, I, I don't want to appear ignorant here, but I take it that the questions have actually been asked and what sort of responses are you getting? Is it a holding response or is it a flat out now? No. We haven't asked anything. We've just kind of been, obviously it's not even been a week yet, so we wouldn't have been paid until Saturday anyway. Um, well, we wouldn't have known what we was getting until Saturday and then it's like 10 days after that you get paid anyway. So we were just kind of just waiting um, and we'll just see what happens. Right. I mean, just to rewind and circle back, I take it that you, like most people, found out via social media, or was yours uh, more of a uh, professional contact from the UFC? Um, we, yeah, um, my coach got an email from Sh- Sean Shelby saying that the fights are off. Um, that was Sunday morning, just as we were starting the cup. And and no offer of a um, rescheduled or even to fly you over like um, what was originally being planned for, um, well, Leon Edwards? No, basically they said um, the fight's been cancelled. The only way I'd be able to fight is if I had a P1 visa and that means a, like a, um, a work visa for America, which I didn't have. Um, so the fight was automatically cancelled. Right. Well, that's interesting that you use the word cancelled and not postponed, because what I'm hearing there immediately um, is a little bit alarming. That means that that would obviously affect how much you'd be paid. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so wow. the wording has been changed. It was it was it was told, was told that it's cancelled. And now it's like the words be postponed being used. So that means basically um, the fight's just been put back yes um, and so i've heard they have six months to put the fights back on or something i'm not too sure that's just what somebody said to me right i mean i'm sitting here and i'm trying to decipher from your words whether you are on the same page as me because hearing those words i have to say larone doesn't fill me with confidence considering you're talking about something which has been put back that would also suggest to me that your payment has been put back obviously i don't know but I can only draw draw that as an inference. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Um, but as as I said before, time will tell. Like nobody really, nobody knows for sure what's going on now um, until we receive a call or email letting us know what's what. Then we can't really jump to any conclusions. But um, it sounds like the fights have just been put back, and we're obviously going to have to do our camps again. Right. I mean, you obviously have spent out not once, but twice in terms of camps. So you, um, you've obviously gone through considerable expense. I take it that has all been factored in with the conversations um, which would actually um, have reached Sean Shelby, right? Like I said, we've, yeah, um, we've not actually spoke to Sean about, about um, the money issues or whatever but um yeah i have i have spent a lot in camp um i've been to thailand twice which is obviously expensive um i paid i paid for my food preps everything like there's, there's a lot of expenses even bills like um 
for me not fighting now, that puts me in a minus kind of thing. And then to start, start a fresh camp again, it's going to take more payment, you get what I'm saying? So it's like, it's just, a, it's just a mad situation at the minute. You know, just to give us a sense of perspective, I always hear about mm. fighters' camps. Now, a certain fighters I've spoken to, um, just to give me a sense of scale, you've done your camp twice. So how much are we yeah. talking here in terms of expenditure? <laughs> Thousands. The flight, the flights to Thailand was, was six hundred and odd pound just alone, and then we're talking accommodation, training, food, um, physio. When I was over there, um, all sorts, all sorts, it's mad. Um, thousands of pounds, so thousands it, of pounds. Like if if I was if I was to fight, say I was to fight this Saturday, and I wasn't to get the win, I'd be kind of breaking even with all the bills and 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 the fight camps. Do you know what I'm saying? So it, it, it's, it's expensive. So from what you said there, just a quick calculation and just doing the maths, it looks like mm-hmm. your camp cost around 15 grand. Am I right? Not so much, but close to, yeah. Close right. Coming up to, yeah. Right. Between 10 and, 10 and something else. Because you, you've also not even mentioned the fact that your coaches and um, obviously yeah. your management gets a cut as well so we are yeah. looking at around 15 grand right just my yeah, yeah. quick maths yeah yeah when you put when you put everything together yeah yeah, yeah definitely now and and obviously i've not fought in seven months so it's like it's, it's, it's a bit crazy but obviously I'm, I'm i'm kind of looking at the other things other things on the card like there's a girl on the card that's not fought for 18 months and wow. she, she flew from america so it's like if she doesn't get paid like nobody's getting paid that is slightly worrying, especially when you look at the actual flip side of all of this in terms of scenario. I mean, just a, yeah. a quick glance over at Bellator, you'll know yourself what happened with the recent event, albeit that those fighters weighed in, albeit that they were in the venue ready and rearing to go. That was actually cancelled, that event, and everybody got paid. From cornermen to cutsmen to referees to obviously fighters, but also... Um, the back office staff. Now, when you see that, I, I take it that there is a sense of, um, well, um, you'd like that to be the blueprint, right? Yeah, of course. All, all those fighters on the card will, would would hope for that to happen. But like I say, it is what it is. Um, hopefully, the UFC have got like some sort of insurance that will pay us out, and nobody loses out because it is, obviously it's going to be a big bill, but. It's just one of them things, man. It's just, it's like, it's out of everybody's hands. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's one of them, it's one of them things uncontrollable. I've heard this whole um, moniker and this whole ethos about fighters, they fight. What has actually transpired after this whole debacle was, I have to say, you've got to big him up in terms of how massive the man's balls are. But Graham Boylan tried to salvage as many of the fights as he could on the UFC uh, London card and tried to transfer as many as were able and were willing to come across to um, his event, which was Cage Warriors 113. I mean, were you actually approached for this and what was your response? Yeah, it's it's, it's a very good thing that he tried to do there. Um, Obviously, my... I was approached, but my fighters 
still in still in America, so that fight wasn't going to happen for me. And obviously, I've I've done a whole training camp for for that fighter, um, which is a southpaw striker. Um, we got approached on the Monday after being told on the Sunday it's cancelled. Wow. Obviously, I've then been started comfort eating because I'm because I was so <laughs> sad and pissed off. Um, I started eating pizza and also wow. so I got asked to fight on the Monday. So it's like my, my whole mindset had changed then, do you know what I mean? Plus, to fight on um, Cage Warriors, I want to be getting my first win on the UFC. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Not yeah. on Cage Warriors. It's, it's, so it's kind of a mad thing, but it, it's, it's a good thing that Graham tried to do anyway. But can I just uh, offer this? You know, we talked quite extensively at the beginning of the interview about... Uh, monetary um, recompense and that is actually getting what you your worth and what you're paid would yeah. you have been paid your UFC wage or would it be a slightly more modest affair considering that you're on um, an alternative um, venue and an alternative card yeah I can't imagine they would have been paying um, UFC salary wow nothing, nothing like that was even even mentioned to be honest um, <clears throat> I got asked if I wanted to fight if I, if I wanted to fight at 155 against somebody else, I'd not have been... They didn't send any names. We didn't really get in, into it that deep. Um, I just said to my coach, like, I, I, want, I want my first win to be on the UFC, on a proper UFC card. Yeah. Um, not on Cage Warriors. And we didn't really get into it. There would have been a, a sort of romanticised end to your um, your interaction with Cage Warriors because if I remember rightly, you were meant to fight on Cage Warriors before you got signed to the UFC. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was supposed to fight Dean Truman um, in October and then I got the call up for the UFC in September on yeah. a few weeks' notice. So, yeah. But you didn't fancy that? Nah. You know, moving forward, obviously, you just like everyone else are going to be watching the news and um, just seeing how things are actually um, panning out. What's your whole um, thinking about how Dana White was quite, what's the word? Um, Well, he was championing um, the fact that these fights have to actually take place regardless of where um, they happen. These fights, he was adamant that they take place. Now, this was against the background of what, some might see as a little bit of uh, recklessness because of um, we are in the midst of a pandemic. Now, what's your own personal take on it? So my personal view on it is kind of the same as I see as I think the media's overblowing this whole situation, to be honest. Whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know. But I think I just kind of think it's been blown out of proportion. Um, if, it, if If the numbers are going down in China, like it's not that do you know what I'm saying? It's not the world's not going to end if it's going down in the place it's um, originated. But obviously he was just trying to get the fights on because obviously fighters need paying. Um, he wanted to do it behind closed doors, which which for me is safe because people are still training in gyms now, so it don't it don't really change anything. But obviously safety comes first in the end of it, innit? Can I just play devil's advocate ever say slightly, just based on the facts which are emerging right now? You're right. In terms of cases, China, which was at the epicentre of the entire outbreak, has now had a reduction, if not um, flatlined, in terms of how many people are um, coming out as having contracted the disease. But that's after a very extensive period 
of self-isolation. You were going to yep. be fighting against that in terms of what everybody else um, in terms of countries were doing. You would be going against that because really and truly you would be going into, um, well, the opposite of self-isolation and that is you'd be mixing and mingling with people who could possibly be carrying uh, the virus. Yeah, but what if people had the, t- the right testing before the fights? Was that an offer, though? Stuff like that. There's, there's measures that could be taken where where we could fight safely. But yeah. I don't know about uh, with a, having a crowd. I know I know that would be a no-go, but I, I think there's measures that can be taken where we could have a fight. Fair enough. What, what do you think? Well, I, I think if you're asking me about his actions, I think as a fight fan, I wanted to see the... Um, fights take place but only if the athletes were clear in terms of no one carrying the virus there was no threat to the safety of not just the fighters but the personnel whether it be back office staff whether it be cutsmen whether it be you know the referee if there were no threat to those people involved then absolutely 100% carry on go about um, that as a uh, pursuit but my issue was there could be no guarantees. There could be no um, 100% um, certainty yeah. that that would be the case. Hence the reason why I thought it was a little bit reckless, considering that the incubation period for this, um, you might be tested, but still, um, because of the incubation period, not know whether you are actually carrying the virus. And that, I think, is a threat to you know other people's well-being. And hence the reason why, yeah. um, going back to what I said originally, I think... If that could be given as a certainty, no problem. But I know for a fact it could not be given for, as a certainty, just based on what's emerging now in the news. Yeah, it's true. But if it, at the same time, if, if everybody wants to fight, everybody wants to fight in it. But I'm, I'm just, I'm just being stubborn because I wanted to fight. But <laughs> if, if everybody, I, if all the fighters on the card want to want to fight, and yeah, the, and the staff want to be there, like, what, what's the problem? Well, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I would have loved to see you fight, but I want to continue Mm. to see you fight. And that certainty could not be given. That's my point. But, you know, finally, you know, just before you go, um, considering that there is no fight, I wanted to put you in a fight with me right here, right now. (laughs) This, This is Jeopardy. I'm going to give you five questions and um, yep. basically what we're doing over the coming weeks, we are creating a leaderboard in terms of rankings as to who has answered the most questions correctly. So here are your five questions. Question number one. And these are, I have to say, these are questions which have been specifically chosen because I feel as a USC employee or um, independent contractor, you should know the answers to. So first question. Yeah. Are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. Okay. Dana Franklin White. His birthday. When was Dana White born? (laughs) 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 What kind of question? (laughs) This is your boss. You should know when the birthday card should be rolled out. So, my brother, wow. when is Dana White's birthday? What, what month or what year? Okay, I'll quite happily take the month or the year. Okay. Um, I'll go for 
August. August? Yeah. Mate, you are so close. <sighs> he was born on the 28th of July, 1969. Oh, I was going to go for July as well. <laughs> I'm born in July. Oh, man. Okay. Bonus, yeah. bonus question related yeah. to that. How old is Dana White? Bro, there's a big clue. Bro, there's a big clue. I just gave you the year. But never mind. That is incorrect. He is 50. So I'm 0-2 right now, yeah? Oh, mate. Okay. So, um, second question. Um, Give me one matchup from UFC 1. And to make it easier, okay. Give me one participant from UFC 1. Roger Gracie. I, I, I I'll take Hodger Gracie, but um, yeah, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question number three. Give me the name, I'll take first or second name, of Conor McGregor's first opponent in the UFC. I've got to hurry you. Uh, I forgot his name. Oh, man. I forgot his name. Short okay, black guy. Okay, time's up. Yep, he yep. is a short black guy. It's Marcus Brimage. That's it, Marcus Brimage, yeah. <laughs> Question number four. I knew it, but I just forgot. I just forgot. <laughs> Question number four. Yeah. The initials UFC, does yeah. it stand for Ultimate Fighting Championship? or Ultimate Fighting Championships? Ultimate Fighting Championships. Did you say ships, plural? Just to be clear. Ship. Ship, singular. Just to be clear, can I just check your answer? You said Ultimate Fighting Championships. Ships, S. With an S. Okay, I'll take your final answer, and that is Ultimate Fighting Championships, which is incorrect. It is actually... (laughs) It's actually... (laughs) Ultimate Fighting Championship, singular. Number five. Fifth question. What does WADA stand for? (laughs) WADA. Why does the, um, the drug testing thing? That's it? that's right. You're you're cooking with gas now. But, um, World. Yep. Anti-doping agency. That is correct. Wow. For, for okay. a bonus that point, is... just to redeem yourself, <laughs> man, you took your time with that one. But just yeah, to I redeem, put, put, just put two and two together. <laughs> then I don't I don't have a clue what that was going. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just for a bonus point to redeem yourself, when was WADA actually founded? I'll take the date. I'll take the year. Um, I'll go 2012. Is that your final answer? You're going for WADA was founded in 2012. You're making me 
second guess myself. <laughs> I might go a bit. I might go a bit earlier. Two thousand and ten. Okay, uh, that's your final answer. You said two thousand and ten. Yeah. Wada was actually founded on the tenth of November, nineteen ninety nine. Wow. <laughs> Where was they getting business in 1999? I'm sure everyone was on steroids in 1999. <laughs> but remember, re- re- remember, um, the reach of WADA is uh, far and wide. So they were definitely getting work in, in 1999. So yeah. there endeth... Um, the clash today um i have to say you haven't fared too well um if my maths is correct uh, you got two out of a possible five um mm. actually no hold on let's just just uh total this up again um yep you did get you got two out of a possible five and um you've not done too badly it could have been worse Nah, I should have. Well, some of them questions are a bit mad, to be honest. I don't. I want to know if if anyone gets five out of five. Well, put it this way: you'll know because on a week to week basis now, this, especially now that we've got a um, UFC, Bellator, and MMA hiatus, there isn't going to be any action. This is where the action is going to be going down. It's going to be the Wocast Fighting Championship, and uh, you actually enter at the top. To be honest, because you are the first. Uh, incumbent, you're the first contestant, so you're at the top of the league leaderboard yeah, right now. Cha- so I'm the champion at the minute. You're the champion at the moment. Well, at the moment. Sweet, 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 sweet. So until next time, I have to say I really enjoyed uh, our chat. I enjoyed you being the first contestant, but I enjoyed your candidness as well about everything that we've spoken about. <laughs> yeah, man. Anytime, man. Anytime, bro. All right then, sir. Look after yourself. Right, all right, you too, bro. Now, I, I've got to say, you know, hands up. You could hear that I was out tripping up with those questions. And um, <laughs> it was a good sport because, <laughs> because two out of a possible five of questions which he would know the answers to isn't really that good going. But, you know, there is a flip side to it. He is at the top of the leaderboard, so <laughs> there is that. But, you know, getting on to the, the serious issue of basically having um, gone through two camps, having spent all that money, having basically being in a situation now where, you know, to make ends meet, um, he's going to have to wait a little while until it would appear the, you know, UFC actually decide on whether they are going to pay him either um, a proportion, either his show and win, He's just in a bit of a, well, situation right Right. now because he just doesn't know. I think you probably could have heard from what I said to him that I really don't feel it looks too good. You know yourself when you actually agreed a task, whether you're um, a private contractor or somebody working for an individual, you'll know there'll Mm -hmm. always be a schedule of payment. Cold light a day now. Look, with the Bellator situation... They weighed mm-hmm. in, but they didn't fight. So they went all the way to Hello. fight night. They did all the uh, what what was required of them. But in this particular situation, they didn't actually get that far. I, I I'm not asking you to win friends or favors here. Should they be paid? And that is, should the um, roster of UFC London be paid? Yes, I do believe they should be paid. You know this. Uh... <laughs> I understand that they're independent contractors, but Mike, 
I don't know the, the business or tail end of things. My question is this. What exactly is in the contract when it comes to things like this, which would be, I would say, is like an emergency circumstance, exigent circumstances. When the fighters are given these contracts, are things like this not discussed? I'm pretty sure they're not going to be like, hey, what would happen if there's a pandemic? No. You know what I mean? Like, none of us saw this coming. But what happened? Natural disasters. You get sick, yada, yada. What's the, the thin, what's the blue line? What's the guidelines here? What, what did they sign on a piece of paper here? What, there's nothing that says that you can get compensated. None of that. Why is it even a question? You know something. You know something? I feel there is a question here because Lerone was really careful Mm. in his wording in that the UFC have now told him that this isn't a cancellation, it's a postponement, which means that the bout agreement, I would imagine, okay, I'm not no legal um, representative, I've got no legal background or training, but just ipso facto, just logic prevailing, it would say if something has been postponed, that whole arrangement will happen at another date, as will your pay. But I could be wrong. I mean, something needs to be worked out here. I mean, I'm not saying maybe not get all of their pay, but some type of compensation should be done of some sort. And if not some sort of compensation, I think they can do a better job of, of communicating with them. It just seems like some fighters haven't even been contacted. They're left out in the dust. Some fighters are hearing one thing. Fighters are also getting information the same way we are via Twitter, via MMA yeah. media. It's. Mm. I think even if they cannot be compensated at that point, I think they deserve better communication, a support system of some sort. And I yeah. don't think they're getting that. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean they're certainly getting it. From their partners, yeah. you know, their, their, their wives, because um, one partner um, of um, actually it was Jai Herbert's partner was on um, Twitter, basically, you know, just asking around to see if anybody knew what was going on. And that, that looked terrible. terrible. That looked absolutely horrendous, you know, not knowing whether her other half, her significant other was going to be paid. I mean, she must have been going, you know, out of her mind because um, from what I understand, um, Jai... Jai Herbert has got a, um, he's got a little one on the way, if I remember rightly. Yes. Do you remember he told us in the interview, he's got a little one on the way. So of course she'd be going out of her mind of worry. He's got a, he's got a, you know, a family to provide for. And it's so sad that like, at times like this, that this is affecting just everybody in every way, shape or form from, from me and Mm. you, you know, venting to each other in the beginning of this segment to how, you know, professional fighters are just as stressed, but in a different way. It's it's unreal how this is just affecting every person around the world. It's unreal. And that's why I'm glad. I feel really great about the fact that we didn't let it lie. We spoke about yeah. it in depth, and we've been speaking about it, you know, like a stuck record for the last two to three weeks. And the thing is this. I think it's kind of timely then to bring in Chisanga Malata, who's got a lot more to say about, you know, the media's role in actually talking about the sticky situation. The fallout from the cancellation of the UFC shows in London, Columbus, Ohio, Portland, Oregon is very much still the talk of the MMA world. Last weekend, of course, 
was meant to see the UFC return to London for that annual card, which is of course meant to be headlined by a welterweight showdown between Leon Edwards and former champion Tyron Woodley. The deadly coronavirus outbreak, however, laid waste to that card and the UFC's next two events. Currently, and very surprisingly, at this moment in time, the eagerly anticipated UFC 249 card, which is of course headlined by Habib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson's lightweight title fight, is scheduled to take place on April 18th, despite the fact it doesn't currently have a venue at this moment in time, or a venue that the public is aware of. Now, for me, the UFC's decision to press ahead with the card well, it's well and truly divided opinion and understandably so given the current situation. Given the fast spreading nature of the coronavirus, I personally believe it's not wise or it's not sensible to be holding or hosting such an event, especially considering the fact that carriers of the virus show little to no symptoms and can spread it to other people just by handshakes or just by being in other people's presence. Correct me if I'm wrong about on the science on that. I'm not too I'm not too sure so feel free to at me if I'm spreading fake news. So back to the UFC's decision to plow ahead with UFC 249. The MMA media across the world have rightly been raising the aforementioned points that aforementioned points I brought up and been questioning the UFC's thought processes for even contemplating having the card go ahead. And unsurprisingly, UFC president Dana White hasn't taken it lightly and he hasn't been happy with the media's questioning and in some parts, condemnation of the promotion. And I don't know if you guys saw this a couple of days ago. I can't remember how many days ago. He certainly let rip uh, us beat reporters doing an Instagram live broadcast when he was defending the UFC brass's decision to press ahead with the show. In fact, he went as far as to say that some of us reporters are the weakest, wimpiest people on earth covering the biggest and baddest sport on earth. And that's Dana White going scorched earth there. And <laughs> I just realized I rhymed there, but that was completely unintentional. Now, back to the point I was saying. Now, I get why Dana would give some backlash and would fire back at the media for questioning the UFC brass's decision to plow ahead with the show during this dangerous time. But for me, his rant kind of shows that he's partially aware that they shouldn't be going ahead as usual and should be ceasing operations for the time being. I firmly believe that had 249 not been a pay-per-view event and had it not been a gigantic fight like Habib and Tony, which will probably be one of the biggest pay-per-view cards of the year, I firmly believe the event would have been axed. Now, I don't want to go as far as saying that corporate greed, greed, corporate greed, corporate greed, sorry, is driving the promotion's decision to keep the ball rolling, but it would seem that they're become heavy reliant on pay-per-views in order to help settle the $4 billion debt WME IMG accrued by acquiring the company in 2016. Now, speaking of finances, White has insisted that the promotion's decision to plow ahead with UFC 249 will see the fires on the card paid and subsequently be able to provide for their families during this testing time, which, if you think of it, is perhaps their saving grace of this decision or could justify it somewhat. And speaking of finances, that's a nice segue into a question I've seen many people have been asking and been wondering about for nearly two weeks. And that question, of course, is will the fighters on the UFC London card, the deceased UFC London card, be getting paid? At this moment in time, I'm currently not sure what the situation is, 
But when I sent out feelers immediately after I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning and I was speaking to Mike about the madness that was going on, most of the fighters that I spoke to weren't sure if they were going to get paid. And now I've sent out some feelers again during the last few days and I've yet to hear back from many fighters or any at all. I'm actually being ghosted as to use the term that the kids say. So perhaps that's a sign that they actually have been paid and that things are moving in the right direction. And if they have been paid, then kudos to the UFC. Although personally, I think that they should have been doing it anyway and following in Bellator's suit. Now, besides myself, uh, Peter Carroll of MMA fighting, Jim Edwards of many uh, <laughs> many an outlet, Simon Head of MMA Junkin, and the main man himself, Mr. Mikey Mike Morgan, I haven't really seen many British reporters discussing the issue. Now, I saw Bellator's Aaron Chalmers raise this point on Monday. Yeah, on Monday. Yes, it was Monday. He raised the point, he raised the point that there's been a lack of UK journalists talking about the the pay issue and equating it to them being silenced somewhat for fear of losing credentials. And for me, I wouldn't necessarily say that's the case. Now, I know there are those in the industry who remain silent on certain issues when it's negative press towards the UFC, perhaps because they're in partnership with them somehow or just for fear of losing a credential. But I'd say in this instance, it's different because the situation is... It's a fluid one and it's ongoing, ongoing, it's an ongoing one. And I'm sure that when the information, whether it be positive or negative for the UFC comes to, comes out to us guys, I'm pretty positive we'll report it. That's journalism 101, not reporting on something for fear of lack of access or banishment goes against every code of ethics and morals of a proper journalist. And if you do not report on something just because you're concerned you might not get a cage side seat or you might not get access to fighters, you're merely just a shill and just a PR person for whatever fight company or whatever promotion you're covering. All right, guys, that's all from me. Chisanga Mark from the Daily Star and Daily Express. I went on a bit much today, but thank you very much for taking the time to listen to me and enjoy the rest of the show. Um, for me, I, I liked how Chisanga and when you think about it access is crucial to his ability to carry out his job and to basically um, submit copy he was um, really really candid and if you remember rightly quite critical of the UFC in the way that they handled this but not only that wasn't scared to talk about the whole payment issue and I feel that's where you know you kind of make a distinction between media outlets, journalists and fanboys. There are, you know, I, I don't care if you're listening and you're getting and you're and you're gritting your teeth um, listening to this. It's a fact. There are people out there who are protecting their access because they don't want to rock the boat. They want to get their credentials. They want to ensure that every single time that the UFC is in London, in Liverpool, that they can sit cage side and, you know, uh, marvel at the fights and then soft soap um, mixed martial artists with their questions. I'm done with that bullshit. I feel that a lot of people need to step up to the mark when something like this, which affects those people who you supposedly want to cover and give a platform to, you need to step up and start to question where is your loyalty? Is it going to be to keeping your credentials? Is it going to be to ensuring your place 
is um, solidified every single time that the UFC rocks up? Or is it supposedly, or is it, or should it be, um, with those people who you are supposedly supporting, giving a platform to, giving interviews to, ensuring that people know more about them? Like I say, I think Chisanga was right to actually call that out. But not only that, Aaron Chalmers on Twitter earlier today called out UK MMA journalists on the same front. Look, there's no way, shape or form, that this would have gone unnoticed if it was Bellator. Bellator catches hell for, you know, minor indiscretions, let alone not paying fighters. Now, it should be said that this is still being worked out. It is still a tectonic plate. It hasn't actually been um, fully explored. I know that management and uh, athletes alike are actually still in discussions and asking the same questions. But, man, it, I think it's incumbent upon us with a platform to actually ask these questions and to push the envelope instead of soft-soaping people, ensuring that, you know, we act as PR to mixed martial arts promotions and organisations. I'll step down for my soapbox, <laughs> but it really does grate my gears when, you know, you go to these um, uh, events and you see my man with, you know, his, his pre-war mobile phone and he's, you know, he's conducting interviews on it. Now, albeit that our iPhone XRs are superior to a, a lot of um, phones out there, but it just grinds my gears that, you know, the sort of coverage that these people are um, are actually um, giving is woeful at best. And the, the questions that they're asking are just downright soft-soaping at worst. Well, Mike, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I also understand you and Shasanka's frustration. I feel as if if you are a MMA journalist and you are in a position where you can stand up against the UFC and you can ask those questions and you're not afraid of being blackballed, having your credentials taken away or put mm. out or put mm. out of a media conference like we've seen other journalists like you know they get booed. You know the next day the blogs are lit up, people are threatening them. Yada yada yada. That is what happens to yeah. folks that are, you know, outspoken. And here's another thing people don't want to discuss. MMA media is also supporting their families with this their career. This is their career. So I don't really fault some of them for for not um speaking up so loudly because they they could lose their jobs they could be blackballed if they don't if they get blackballed from covering media events how do they put food on the table because that's their bread and butter like what do you do now put it this way mm -hmm. but there's the, the flip side to that is in the uk i would say 99.9 percent .9 of media journalists and those actually covering these events aren't doing it full-time. They're mm -hmm. doing it as a part-time vocation because they love right. to sit cage-side. And hence the reason why you have that soft soap and hence the reason why you've got that level yeah. of coverage. Now, albeit that um, this chap is actually based in Ireland, I have to say a big up to mm -hmm. Peter Carroll, who's not afraid to Good. ask these questions, who's not afraid to actually, you know, go in front of the, 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 the double-barrel shotgun and to basically... Um, well, poke yeah. the bear, as it were, and to make sure that we know um, what we need to know with regard to these issues, which many people aren't prepared yeah, to talk about. Yeah, if you're in a position to do so, if it's just like a, a hobby, a trade, a craft, I understand that you don't want to be blackballed, but some of these questions do need to be answered. Some of us really need to blow the top mm. off of how they're being underpaid and how they're not being paid at all. And also, too, that... 
you know, greed is is the reason why we're going through this. G- greed is the reason why Dana White doesn't want to change any venue, you know, like cancel fights and yada, 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 and put fighters and their families at yeah. risk. Like, we need more people to speak like this, but let's not point fingers at each other and just remember that it is the UFC that has so much power that e- they can even squander our voices and cause this divide, you know, understand? So we have to work together to somehow discuss this but at the same time we still have to you know have empathy or remember that it's not that easy for everyone to do that when you're dealing with such a company that is so powerful you know and and then they're pulling every trick out of their hat i mean even the way in which dana responds to criticism i mean i'm sure you've heard of what he said recently about mma media saying they're nothing but a bunch of wimps they they don't support anybody yep. like me they don't have families that are mm. dependent on mm. them and I found that to be a very particular interesting response because what does that have to do with the fact that you're still making negligent decisions about this pandemic and you still wanting to throw fights because it was a fallacy. As soon as you question Dana about what he's doing, he just wants everybody to talk about the media and then he starts calling them names. And before you know it, that's what we're discussing instead of discussing the fact that the UFC will not take accountability for their negligence. That's all this is. <laughs> it's funny you should mention that. There, there does seem to be a correlation between um, the way that Trump deals with the media and the way that Dana yes. White deals with the media. He points fingers and basically rubbishes uh, the journalists before him, calling them yeah. terrible journalists. Now, who am I talking about? Am I talking about Trump or am I talking about I think Dana I know White? I- they do exactly yeah, the because, same thing. Yeah, um, because I believe during a press conference, a journalist actually gave Trump an alley-oop. He was like, what do you say to the American people that are so scared right now of losing their jobs, of catching this disease? Yep. And that, to me, that was mm. an alley-oop for Trump to actually say something presidential and politically correct positive. and positive to get us to calm yep. down. Mm. And instead, he, yep. he threw out a distraction, a fallacy, and he immediately tells the reporter that he's a terrible reporter and yada, yada, yada. And it was like, you're yep. so stupid you mm. missed the alley-oop this was your moment to shine and instead you insulted him <laughs> and then dana the same thing instead of coming up with politically correct answers to just kind of shut us up or to soothe us about his decisions he'd rather insult the media they're a bunch of wimps of course they're saying that stuff i don't care what you yeah. think of them yeah. why are you still trying to throw <laughs> fights and if you're going to throw them how safe <laughs> is it going to be make me feel good about it dana sell me on it don't throw someone else under the bus. Mm-hmm. That's what, and Trump yeah. does the same it, thing. Trump, come up with a plan. Stop yelling at the reporters. Just tell us what the fuck you're going to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, if, yeah, exactly. And, and you're right. It gave Dana the opportunity, the platform to say something yeah. incredibly yes. powerful and supportive. If I were him, if I was his PR, I would have said, Dana, this is the line. As you may have heard recently in the media, I have told all of my employees that I have got their back. I will look after them in these turbulent yes. times. They don't have to worry about their pay packet because that's what I'm about. I'm about supporting the individuals. I'm about a company which I have grown from nothing, ensuring the longevity for the employees and the fighters who fight within no. it. But no. No, he didn't at all. Neither did Trump. They just chose to attack instead so that now you discuss something else instead of 
discussing them. It's the same thing with when Trump is mm. discussing the pandemic. It's the Chinese virus. Let's point fingers so that nobody there talks about the fact that I was briefed about this and I told America to go outside and have a good time. And it was the flu. You know, let's <laughs> let's hope people forget that. And also we can put all the animosity and point the blame towards China when millions of people start to die. We'll just remember this is the Chinese yep. virus. It's very smart, but it's distractionary. Mm. But people are falling for it. I go online, Mike, and I read this article about Dana White calling media people wimps and also that they don't support people. They, you know what I mean? As if they don't have families they're concerned about or, or people that they don't mm. support, which is hogwash. But instead, you go online and you see people like tweeting, name one reporter that's not a wimp. You fell for it. You fell for the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Instead of us discussing why this guy is being villainous in his response to a pandemic and his fighters, we are now discussing which MMA journalist is a wimp. You fell for it. You sound dumb. True. You sound True. dumb. Mm. You know what I mean? It's unreal. Mm. And they both do the same shit. And guess what? When a fighter contracts this and spreads it or when Trump decides to send us back to work and infects more people, they will continue to blame everybody else except for themselves. And back to square one. That's it's unreal, Mike. Unreal. <laughs> you know, just before we wrap up this episode, it's only right that we uh, read out a few listener yes. questions. Uh, have you got any choice of ones there? Of course I do. And right on time, because I'm just about sick of this goddamn virus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a fun one. And shout out to MMA Dude, okay. Phil the MMA Dude. He also has a podcast called Split Podcast. Y'all need to check it out. Mike, listen to this podcast. It's like two men that are not gay and married, but they are married and they argue like an old couple about <laughs> MMA. And it is so funny. Shout out to MMA Dude and Mm. Um, the fight geek. Here we go. Question, okay. question for you both. Have you ever been in uh. a street fight? And if so, what was the end result? <laughs> right. I remember this one being raised on Twitter. Yes, I have. Uh, it was roughly about 18 months ago. I was on my what? way to the office and I could hear all this screaming coming from around the corner. And as I neared the corner, this guy flies past me and this group of people were pursuing him. And I'm like, being really nosy, because that's just my natural nature, I thought, well, let me see what's going on here. So I started to tag along. Anyway, about, must have been about five or six of them cornered this guy. And they all started piling on him and trying to um, wrestle him and try to restrain him. So I thought, what is going on here? So one person who wasn't actually doing anything, he was spectating. Um, he said, that, that guy, he, he, he's stolen our money. And I'm looking at the crowd and I'm looking at, you know, this, this guy like menacing them. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I don't know what it was, but I just waded in there and I said, look, if you've got their money, you need to give it back now. And he tried to get away. So I restrained him and I said, look, if you don't get on the ground, I'm going to put you on the ground. And he was like, what are you talking about? I said, look, get on the ground. Anyway, he wouldn't. So I swept his leg secured mount what? and it was over for him what it turned out was that this guy was posing as um, an uh, an undercover cop and he had said oh to this tourist God. family that he was checking for fake notes so let me see in your wallet oh yes we've got some fake notes here anyway he'd stolen or he'd actually run off um with the fake notes and that's where i came in that's where i saw the pursuit anyway about must have been about 20 minutes later the police came and would you believe they just rocked up there? I was still in Mount, 
And uh-huh. I got off him, they cuffed him, put him in the car, drove off. Not one word was said to me. Oh, wow. They probably cut him loose in the next corner and was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was, okay. I, was, I, felt quite, I felt quite aggrieved because, you know, really and truly, uh, there was no interaction, no nothing. And I, I do feel that the police get a bad rap, but, you know, it's examples like that and it's continuing examples like that which make me feel, you know what, mm, maybe yeah maybe the rap that you get is 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 due but anyway that was my <laughs> that was my uh, my ramble uh on my last street fight if you can call it a street fight that just sounded so you? that sounded so no hold up that just sounded so damn smooth that i don't know if that's a, a, a fucking street fight mike you made that sound like you know how i ate my cereal this morning just chilling you know what i'm saying like <laughs> I mean, did your adrenaline go up at all? Did you have any type of physical altercation I've had? Everything slows down like a, in slow motion. And did you experience any of that? No, not at all. Oh, I you can't see, stand I, 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 I didn't, didn't, didn't experience, <laughs> experience anything. You know when it did kick in, though? <clears throat> when, I, when I basically got to the office, and uh, I typically ride in, and I'm in the shower, and I'm thinking... You know something? There was a, an adrenaline dump. I didn't even check whether he had any weapons, whether there was anything in his hands before I restrained him. And I thought, you could have been killed. You could have been stabbed. What's the matter with you? Yeah. You always... But when- no, what, what, once it was actually happening, there was no slow motion. He didn't seem as though um, he was putting up any resistance, resistance of any kind right. that made me feel fearful. So I suppose that had something to do with it. If there was... Um, a situation where I felt that there was a fight or flight, um, perhaps, but no, I, I didn't feel under threat in any way, shape or form for me. So that's probably what it was all about, that there was no adrenaline um, heightened in it all. Oh, wow. That, that's hella cool, though. And I'm glad that you're trained. It, it, you sound calm, cool and collective. So good for you. And um, for <laughs> me, my street fights were mostly when I was a police officer and I had a ball. Oh, wow. And yes, they were so much fun. Um, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me just sit. Let me sit comfortably. I know there's a wicked story coming now. I'm I would say um, I would say the scariest one that I had was me and my partner were tussling with this guy and it just got from bad to worse. And his friends were watching us fight him and I actually gave the wrong location because I didn't know where I was so to hear all my buddies go to the other side of town while I'm still running out of breath and fighting this dude and mind you it was me and my partner fighting one person Mm. but whenever someone does not want to go back to jail that is probably one of the most dangerous people you'll ever come across and even worse for a police officer when a judge says I don't care if you're just drinking in public you're going to do the rest of your 20 years which is what was was going on but we didn't know it at the time yes and it doesn't matter if it's a misdemeanor or a felony the judge literally is like you're going to finish your sentence no matter what the fuck you do out there and a lot of times a lot of times cops will come across people like that and not know it we're just sitting here like hey what are you drinking and that's the dude that's like oh word i'm not going back to jail and that's what happened to us and mind you i did not know my location i gave them the wrong address i could hear the sirens but they kept going in circles then his friends noticed that we were losing the fight because his friend was adrenaline was up and he he actually punched me i fell to the ground got up my partner jumped on him then, Mike, the worst part of it all was that his friends were like this. Yo, they ain't coming. They don't know where they at. Fuck it. Let's jump them. Mike. Wow. I got, I looked at my partner. My partner laid on him like a wrestler. I got up. I took my gun. I pointed it at all of them. And I said, I will shoot all of you back up. 
<laughs> and they backed up. They were like, easy, my easy. And that, that's when I went back on the radio and was like, God damn it, where are y'all? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But eventually the cavalry came. But they did manage to throw a bottle at us when I went back to helping my partner get him in control. So there were times I had to jump off of the dude we were fighting to be like, I'm not playing with y'all. I'll shoot y'all. But eventually wow. everybody showed up and we got it under control. But I would say that was probably one of my scariest um experiences on the police department but I was playing clothes I was a vice officer at the time so that was kind of normal so at the time like afterwards we celebrated and it was fun and it's an adrenaline rush but it was kind of like what you said Mike when you get home you're kind of like wow I could have died I got punched in the yeah. face you know what I mean like did I get punched in the face do I go to work and get into fist fights with men is this my life but then the you know you go back the next day and do it all over again you know so yes wow, that was my scariest a- street fight Yes. What a story. Your, your story stomps mine into the ground. Do you know I have wow. so many like that that I don't tell people these stories because people don't believe me. And I'm like, yo, I did plain clothes for six years. That's all I did was chase drug boys. It was the time wow. of my life. You know what I mean? But I don't share my stories because like, I've had people look at me like, this bitch is lying. You know what I'm saying? Like I've seen people be like, yeah, right, bitch. You know what I'm saying? So I don't yeah. share them. But they're, they're all facts. Wow, that is a hell of a story. Yeah, it was fun, though. I'll tell you that much. Fun and scary, but I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, so that lifestyle was very suitable for me. So Mm -mm. I had a ball. You want to try another one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, Let's go for one more. And mind you... These questions are just so damn random, Mike. Let me see if I can find one. Um, Mm -mm. It's like rolling dice. Which one? Which one do I want to talk about next? Okay, here is literally rolling dice, and I'm going to stop right here. Who wins a super fight, Mike? Zhang or Shevchenko? And how do you see it playing out? And this question is from Jade Ross at Rear Naked Jokes. I'm going with Shevchenko only because she is just such an assassin. And I just think that technically she is superior to uh, Wally Zhang. Oh, yeah. I'm um, sorry, Jade Ross, but I think um, Valentina Merck's Wally Zhang. Yeah. Like quite easily, you know. And I think um, Wally Zhang was made for Valentina at this stage. If they mm. were to fight right now, Valentina would murder her. I mean, Wally Zhang comes straight forward and tries to land bombs. We saw that with JJ. And that's all Valentina needs to do. That's all Valentina needs to just kind of counter her and put her to bed, you know. And yeah. I saw an interview with Valentina discussing the the um, title fight with Joanna, and she was mm. like, instead of giving Welly Zan compliments, she basically told her like there were so many holes in her game that she is not Ooh. going to hold on to her belt. I was shocked. She was like, it was a good fight. I thought Joanna won, but it did show me that you know, Welly Zhang is not going to be a defending champion for too long. I was wow. ice cold. Shade. It was not only shade, but can you imagine what Valentina, like if we were to ask Valentina, who do you think would win mm. between her and Zhang? If she feels, you know what I mean? Like if she feels that way in, in, in Welly Zhang's division, yeah. can you imagine how Valentina feels fighting her? Oh, wow. I think, she, hmm. I think um, Welly Zhang is not ready for that whatsoever. <laughs> No, right. you're, you're 100% correct there. Just before we wrap up, I've got a question for you. Yes, now, this I is love an ask, this, this This is the ask me anything round. Okay. At oh, moment, boy. <laughs> at, 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 at the moment, you're, you're, you're single or you're with somebody at the moment? Oh, I'm, I'm single. That, you know, okay. that, that goes so back and forth, say, but 
You didn't need a pass for this then. I was going to say, you, you, you have a pass. And the Twitter, the, the pass is anybody on Twitter, and uh, it could be MMA Twitter or just someone who, you'd fo- who you follow. Okay, which one of the people who you follow or who follow you would you smash? Oh, my God. First and foremost, <laughs> first and foremost, I will say this. There are two young ladies that I would smash without a heartbeat, but I will take that to the MMA Twitter grave. And only people very close to oh, me wow. know. And only people very fucking oh, close to me know the answer to that. I would never reveal it. Oh, that no way. <laughs> but there's two. I'm just like, God damn, y'all look good. Um but and y'all are funny and cute, but nope, nope, I will never reveal that. And y'all know my heart belongs to Denise Keyholtz and Felicia Spencer. These are <laughs> these are the women that I would run away with. So sorry, Michael. Okay. Those two ladies don't count when those two. You know what I mean? Denise Keyholtz and Felicia Spencer. Bye, MMA Twitter crush. Take care. <laughs> okay. Well, that about wraps up this episode of the Wokeus. As usual. You can join us on Twitter to continue any of the conversation points that you've heard in this episode. I'm at Mike Woe TV on Twitter, and G is at. I am at G Spot I'll play back the levels of where you set them. Until next time, make some trouble. trouble.